we want to do at this time is uh, talk about uh, God the Father. We want to see what the scriptures have to say. And so let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to study your word together. I, I thank you, Father, for these students, Lord, that have, um, Lord, they've taken the time, Lord, to follow hard after you and just to open up their hearts. I pray that as we study now this amazing truth, Lord, that you would uh, anoint our time, God, that you would open our hearts and you would bless. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray for those going through difficulties. Even here, Lord, I know uh, there are heartaches uh, that we're experiencing, Lord, as a church, as individuals, Lord. And so I pray that you would help us, Lord, to stay focused, that through these trials, Lord, we'll grow. And uh, just, Lord, have mercy and grace. Open our eyes as we uh, open up your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in our notes, it has a, a line, a couple lines. So you could do that later uh, as far as the definition of the Trinity. One of the things that you have to guard yourself against is putting things into short-term memory. So sometimes a person will you know, learn something and they only learn it for the quiz or maybe that class. But if you repeat something over and over again, it begins to stick. And so one God, uh, in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. And then you begin to break it all down. What exactly does it mean? And it helps you so much as you're reading through the scriptures. And so you can write that down later. But in our notes, it says, we also discovered in class two that Jesus commissioned his followers to go forth and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Matthew 28, 19. And so this is much more than water baptism. You know, when you were baptized, uh, chances are the pastor used that formula, uh, baptized you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then he dunked you under the water, right? And so uh, some uh, mistakenly think, well, that's what that verse is all about. But it's not just that day that you were baptized. It has to do with the whole aspect of, of being a disciple, of being a Christian. We want to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is three. And so we want to learn about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so... What we see right here is that in today's class, this is what we're going to study. We're going to study about the Father. Now, it's imperative to, that our view of God is rooted in the pages of Scripture. We must not interpret Him according to our own experience, perceptions, or expectations. And God is not female. He is Father. There's no such thing or entity as Mother Nature. As our Father, He loves us, provides all that we need, protects us, guides us, and even disciplines us. And you know, Christianity is responsible for uh, the just looking at women with honor and esteeming them. You know, prior to Christianity, a wife had virtually no rights in the Roman world, in the Grecian world. And uh, in Judaism, you see a little bit of it, but I'll tell you what, when the Lord came, uh, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, esteeming a wife. In Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so, um, but now we live in a world where, uh, you know, feminism and their, 
They're trying to um, kind of, I think, go beyond the scriptures. And so they've taken it so far that they've stripped God of his masculinity and they've used gender neutral uh, pronouns and they, there's, it's not like he, um, and they now refer to God as, as female, as a, as a mother. There was a book that was recently out, it's called The Shack, it was very, very popular. And in the book, and this is a bestseller, they even made a movie out of it, but in the book, the father is a woman. And so one of the things that we have to see is that, yeah, that might be the world that we live in, but the Bible is our final authority, not, you know, the worldview or my own, you know, inclinations or expectations or perceptions. It's what God has revealed himself in his word. And so God has revealed himself as as father. You know, so you got to really let that hit home. What an awesome thought that is, that if you're a Christian, God is your father. We need to let that truth really sink in. First John 3, it says in verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And so perceiving God as a loving, caring, and perfect Father can be a challenge for us if we haven't experienced that type of Father figure in our own lives. When some believers who were let down by their biological Father in the past hear the theological truth of God as Father, they they cringe and and some struggle because unfortunately and mistakenly they transfer the traits of their human Father to their divine Father. It's life-changing. It really is life-changing to realize and internalize what the Bible teaches that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us and watches over us every moment of our life. Now, I bet there's some here that didn't have that kind of dad. You know, I like Leave it to Beaver. That's one of my favorite shows. Uh, you guys ever watch that? Yeah, all the time. Yes. Uh, just, he was a, a good dad, uh, took care of his family, loved them, gave them wife's counsel, uh, protected, provided, nurtured, cared. I'm not a perfect dad, uh, but, you know, that that's kind of the the that that's the desire that we we have that's what we should want to see when we look at a father and uh, most of us here well i shouldn't say most of us i would i would i bet that a lot of us here didn't have that in our life we didn't have that kind of dad who would give us the godly counsel who would you know be there for us with that type of love or you know and, and so now we struggle with really receiving that truth. You know, when I, when, I, when I read theology books, when I look at Christianity, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's not a lot of teaching on God as our Father. Now, when you look at a theology book and they get into the doctrine of Christ, it's called Christology or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, there's a plethora of information. There's so much there because... There's a lot of confusion about Christ and he's done so much for us and the Holy Spirit. There's also a lot of uh, confusion on him, but, but there's not a lot of emphasis on the fact that God is our father. It's not emphasized enough. It's not, it hasn't found a home in the hearts of Christians 
the way that it should. Because when you realize that you have a Father, a Heavenly Father, every day, every moment, taking care of you, loving you, providing for you, protecting you, um, when you realize that you have that, that, that Father in your life, it, it changes everything. And, and we need to see God uh, for who He is. You know, we have a, a few passages here if you want to open up to Luke chapter 1. It says in verse 1 of Luke, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11. It says in verse 1, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so I think that it's a, it's a model prayer. I mean, if you want to, you can memorize it. And as long as it comes from your heart, it's okay to you know, pray it verbatim. But it's, it's more of a model prayer. These are some of the things that you're going to be looking for in prayer. But the very first thing we see there is that we, Jesus says, when you pray, know who you're talking to. You're talking to your Father. And, and when you look at this prayer, you know, it, it's a lot of uh, things um, and provision, uh, forgiveness, uh, dishonor to him, you know. But um, that's one thing. If you look down at, at verse 13, remember we read this passage uh, before. If it says in verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give? the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him. And so as you're going through life and you're praying, you're honoring Him, you're acknowledging who He is, uh, it's okay to ask your dad for things. What are some of the things you might ask for? Help, forgiveness, I mean, provision, I mean, whatever it is. And right here he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's your Father who gives those gifts. The Bible says sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. So it's okay to ask your father. And our father, he's a good father. Chris Talman has a song called Good, Good Father, right? He's a good father. So if you ask him uh, and, and, and it's not good for you, what's he going to say? He'll say no, right? And that's okay. Are you guys okay with that? Or he might say, if you're a father here and your kids have ever asked you for something, not now. Not now. You know, it's always no or wait. But, but when my kids ask me for something that I know is good for them, um, man, I'm, like he says right here, you're, you're an evil dad and he's going to move on your behalf. He's going to bless you. So um, another good place to turn is Matthew 6. And if you want to pick it up in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You know, and, and so he's talking about our father taking care of the birds. And it's an interesting analogy to me, though, because the birds, they don't just kick back in their nest and say, hey, dad, give me some food. They, you know, they go out and they get their worms. You know, the early bird gets the worms. So they go out, they fly, and they get their food. So we do our part, but ultimately it's the father, right? And if he takes care of them, your heavenly father's uh, obviously going to take care of you. If you look to Matthew chapter 10, in verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows you know and so just knowing your your father knowing the way he's going to protect you uh you know me i'm not the best dad in the world but i'll I, you know take care of my kids and you know walk my daughter to her car at night even though they're older you know that's what dads do that's what i do and that's what your father does now, does that mean that as uh, our Heavenly Father, that nothing good, I mean, nothing bad will ever happen to us? No, not necessarily. It doesn't mean that God doesn't author evil, but sometimes He allows it um, for our, our, our benefit. Sometimes I have to discipline my children, and it doesn't feel good to them, but it's good for them. Other times, you know, you let them make their mistakes, right? You have to let them... Uh, go through certain things knowing ultimately that there are lessons there and character is going to be built and so for us uh, just wanted to and it's so important because what I've found uh, over the years is that people don't really allow this one to sink in the way that it should listen if you know that God is your father it changes everything. It really does. And we're going to see later that Jesus uh, is our brother. And a lot of people don't think about that too much, but, but he is. And so, anyways, with these passages in mind, some teachers offer the following guideline in prayer that we are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through or by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray, generally speaking... Remember we talked about how he is uh, the highest in office and function. Uh, they're equal in essence and nature, but he's the highest in office and function. So generally speaking, it's good for us to know as Christians that when you pray, you pray to your Father. Jesus told us, when you pray, you pray to your Father. Does that mean you can't pray to Jesus? Does it mean that? Does that mean you can't pray to the Holy Spirit? Does it mean that you can pray to Jesus because he's God? You can pray to the Holy Spirit because he's God. Uh, Jesus, as a matter of fact, when Stephen uh, was dying, he, he prayed to Jesus. So you can do that. But generally speaking, we should be praying to our Father 
uh, in the name of Jesus, and even that's a whole study in and of itself. It's not just the name of Jesus. They get a Hummer. It's not like that, okay? <laughs> what do you, the name of Jesus is more in the nature of Jesus and uh, would line up with his will and then uh, through or, or by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, anyways, uh, I, I want to share with you guys real quick something interesting, a progressive revelation of, of, of Father God. Now, um, throughout the Bible, we find God portrayed as a father this portrayal, however, is surprisingly rare in the Old Testament. Now there, God is specifically called the Father. Uh, first filling right there is of the nation of Israel. And so you'll read that. Um, Father of the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 32.6, Moses said, Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who brought you? Out? Has he not made you and established you? And you see the same thing in Isaiah 63, 16 and Isaiah 64, verse 8. And so um, we also see God as the father of certain individuals. But only 15 times. And so you'll see a, a handful of times he's directing it towards Solomon. For example, here in 2 Samuel seven fourteen. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. And so there you see God as a father to the nation of Israel, to individuals such as Samuel, I mean as Solomon. And then Psalm 68 verse 5, he's a father of the fatherless. Right? Psalm uh, 89, 26, He shall cry to me, you are my father. And so there's a, there's a handful of times in the Old Testament where specifically he's, a, he's, he's called father to Israel, to individuals. And there are other times in the Bible, at times the father, and here's the next fill-in for you, the, father, the, the father's imagery, imagery, is present, although the term father is not used. What was the blank before that? Prior to that is we also see God as the father of certain individuals. And so um, we see the imagery, Exodus 4.22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Uh, Deuteronomy 131, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son and all the way that you went until you came to this place. How many of you guys here um, remember carrying your son when he was a little boy? You guys remember that? All the moms raised their hand. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's something beautiful about that. You know, I remember my little boy, whatever, putting him on my shoulders. Um, this is what our dad does for us. He is our father. Listen, I didn't have a, a father figure. I didn't. A lot of you guys didn't. And, uh, but that's no excuse because when I, when I became a Christian... I started reading what a father does and who my father is. And, and, and then as I study who God is as my father, I, I all, even though I didn't have it there lived out in the flesh, for whatever reason, I'm able to accept it, I go beyond those, 
you know, things and just embrace my, my dad. I have my father and we need to do that. Here we see the teaching of the fatherhood of God rises radically with the coming of Christ for father was his favorite term for addressing God. It appears on his lips some 45 times in the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke and over a hundred times in John. So the exact term Jesus used is still found three times in the New Testament because remember what language Jesus primarily speak? Aramaic. And so he would use the word Abba. Now when we have the New Testament given to us, it was given to us in the Koine Greek language, but there's three times in the New Testament where even then they stuck to the the Aramaic uh, language and uh, one time out of the lips of the Lord we still have it in our Bible where he says Abba Abba and 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 anyone know where that is can you guys remember it is in Romans and it's also in Galatians but where's the one time that we have it preserved for us from the lips of the Lord and it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and it, it's a trip when you think about this because when Jesus was in the garden, he's facing the cross. And you know what he said? He said, Daddy, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. And as a dad, as a dad hearing that from your son, your little boy, I mean, it's this heavy when you really think about it. So when we go to the Old Testament, 15 times God is referred to explicitly as Father. When you now go over to the New Testament, Jesus now in the Gospels alone, 145 times. And so what he's bringing now is this, it's like in the Old Testament, they would kind of call it a mystery implicit truths so even the doctrine of the trinity is 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 there but in the new testament just things become clear and jesus begins to teach that that god is our father now it's interesting right here the uniqueness of jesus teaching on this subject is evident for several reasons for for one the rarity and so that's your next fill-in the rarity of this designation for God is striking. There is no evidence in pre-Christian Jewish literature that the Jews address God as Abba. And so a second unique feature about Jesus' use of Abba is a designation for God involves the intimacy of the term. And so it, the rarity, it, it's, they mean that, that wasn't really the way they addressed God. And then the intimacy, Abba was a term little children use when they addressed their fathers. At one time it was thought that since children use the term to address their fathers, that the nearest equivalent would be the English term daddy. But more recently, however, it's been pointed out that here's another Aramaic word, abawas, was also a term that older children and adults used. And as a result, it's best to understand Abba as the equivalent of daddy, father, and even papa. 
Yes. That's a very good question. <laughs> We're not sure, sweetheart, um, but that's a possibility. I, I kind of sometimes I lean towards maybe Hebrew, you know, but um, we don't know. And who knows? We may speak multiple languages. I'm not sure. I doubt it. The kids always have the best questions, huh? <laughs> And so the designation of the fatherhood of God is found only 15 times in the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, but 144 ti five times, I'm sorry, 145 times by Jesus in the four Gospels. And so in our notes it says this was not just the way Jesus taught his disciples to address God, it was the way they were to pray, right? We saw that in Luke 11. And it should be pointed out that although Jesus addressed God as Father and taught his disciples to do the same, he never referred to God as our Father. Matthew 6, 9 is not an exception, for here Jesus is teaching his disciples how they should pray. And so what, he's, what we're going to see right here, it teaches us that the, his sonship was different from that of his followers. He was by nature the Son, the perfect Son from all eternity. And believers, us, were children through adoption and the second birth. And so even though we're brothers of Jesus, and even though, you know, He's our Father, we, we, we have to make sure that we understand the uniqueness of their relationship between the Father and the Son. Because... I think even in that, the more, the more you realize the relationship between the Father and the Son for eternity past and just how unique it is, I think the more you'll understand the love of the Father, the love of the cross, and that He gave His Son because He loves you. And so we need to understand who he is as our father, but we also need to understand the uniqueness of who, you know, Jesus and the father and their relationship. And, and so it's important for us to even to have that distinction here. And so this teaches us that his sonship was different from that of his followers. And Jesus' unique relationship is clearly seen in Matthew 5. And we see that a lot there in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus refers to your singular and plural in the Greek and my father, but, but never in reference to our father, including other disciples with him. So there was a uniqueness there. And so um, be, because of Jesus' use of this metaphor, it is not surprising that the rest of the New Testament also emphasizes the fatherhood of God. In the Pauline letters, God is described as Father over 40 times. And it occurs in all these ways, and you guys can read that. And so, um, you know, Old Testament, does anyone remember how many times? 15. 15. Now, now you get to the New Testament, and just it's just blown open. God is our Father. Jesus says 145 times, and... Paul 40 times and you still have the letters the, the general epistles and in the book of Revelation and so um, what we find is that 
um, this description of God as Father is under attack today in certain circles. It is charged by some that this leads to a false view that God is a male man just like us. While it is true that God is not a man, Indeed, he is spirit without sexual parts, but as we've learned repeatedly in this course, it is imperative to yield to the way God has revealed himself to us in the Bible. And in the Bible, clearly he has revealed himself to us as our Father. So don't let anyone ever water that down in any way. And I just pray that uh, I don't know if it, 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 you know, it makes, if you realize how significant it is that you have your father, that, that God is your father. But I just will tell you that in my own life, uh, it changed everything. When that, when that truth hit home after never having a dad, really, you know, that, I mean, addicted to heroin for 40 years, homeless, stealing from my mom when he did come in and out of my life, and then you know, living with my aunt and uncle, and my uncle was a workaholic. He was never there. He was having an affair you know, for 40 years. I mean, just not having that at all. And then one day, just the revelation that I have a father, my, my God is my father, it just, when that hit home, it just changed everything. You know, it's not, it's not random that, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in these truths because it really is life-changing. And so we'll talk uh, next time about the Son. We'll talk about Jesus, and, and we're also going to share on fellowship. So really cool classes next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us, and I just pray, uh, Father... Oh, gosh. Um, thank you, Lord, for being my, my papa, my daddy, my protector, my provider, the one who knows uh, all the hairs that I have and loves me, protects, Lord, in such a way. Lord, disciplines everything I need. Truly, truly, Father knows best. I thank you for being so good and Lord, I do pray that this truth would hit home. I pray that we would uh, learn, even meditate on what was taught earlier on just how awesome it is to, to be a disciple, Lord, but to grow in that. And Lord, I just ask that you would have your hand upon my brothers and my sisters, Lord. Root us and ground us in your love. Root us and ground us in your truth. Love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Your reading assignment, page 45 and 52.